Can I look at you? You can look wherever you want. You can look at the camera. You can look at me and that's fine. Whatever you'd like. So, okay. Hey, Karen, how you doing? Fine, Harry. How are you? Good. It's good to see you. You too. Um, well, awesome. Well, um, let's jump in and talk a bit about yourself and your background as an artist. Like, um, you know, we've been working together for a while, but I don't know too much about your background. Um, you know, where did you originally grow up? Where, where have you lived most of your life? I lived most of my life in Southern California, and uh, I grew up in Glendale for a little bit. And then I moved to the South Bay, which is, you know, near uh, LAX and Manhattan Beach and Palos Verdes. Um, so that's really where I basically grew up, and I love Southern California. What do you like about it? Just the weather and access to so much beauty. Uh, there's access to beaches. There's access to mountains. So it gives me uh, a lot of, uh, you know, choices uh, when I want to go out and be in nature, which is one of my biggest loves. I've never been to Southern California, um, but I've heard from multiple people that, yeah, it's got probably the best weather maybe on the planet. <laughs> it is super nice. Although, and I do have to say, I was really happy with the rain that came, um, that that part used to be a little more balanced where we would have rain when I was little. And so I missed it very much. And now when we had that kind of flurry, it was, it was really beautiful. So I hope that the rain part uh, does come back a little bit more. For sure. Now, did you grow up in artistic, creative household, or were you um, kind of unique in that way in your family? Um, I would say that I did for a while because my dad and my grandma on his side was creative. Um, and so we were very, I was very tight with my grandma. And when we would go to her house, she would, that's where I kind of like would look at her paintings. Like she was the hobby painter where did the vase and the flower and the you know, these standard things. And I'd be like, and I was like, how is she doing that? I would really look at them. And, you know, at that time, I didn't know what was going on. And then all of my memories were around, like, in if I look back at my, my kindergarten and things like that, it's all around like, oh, we did finger painting. Oh, here's doodle art. Oh, you know, when when my dad would want to take us to the toy stores, like, you can get anything you want. And I'd be like, oh, I want, you know, doodle art or paint by numbers or something like that. And so I think it was just always in in me. Um, and then coupled that with a, a parent, you know, after my dad left, my grandma left, my mom was just like, you know, live your bliss. Like you can do anything you want. And I kind of believed her. So I was like, well, let's see what I can do here. And it was, it was, uh, yeah. And that's just kind of, I was like, I was so naive. <laughs> Well, let's do this thing. Were your parents very, you know, California stereotypical or were they kind of bucked that trend a bit in some ways? Well, I think they were. Well, my dad, you know, my dad took off when I was 11 on Father's Day. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. So he kind of flew the coop. Um, but my mom was, a, she was a very... Um, you know, revolutionary thinker. She was like, you know, break all boundaries. Don't, you know, so I had that support, that kind of wild, rebellious support to just be myself. Like that to her was the most important thing, not not what you did. And I realized, you know, she came from, you know, she kept saying to me, you know, when I was growing up, the only things I could think of being, you know, they would allow me to be was a nurse, a teacher, you know, you know, they were pigeonholing people. So she wanted me to like 
you know, her kids just don't be in a box. And I just love that about her because I don't think as an artist, if you, it's hard if you don't have that support where creativity is not valued and it's not linked to making money. And so for me to have that kind of support was just everything, just everything. It didn't create. Was she a teacher or a nurse or something like that? What's that? Was she a teacher or a nurse or one of those boxes that she had? No, no, no. My Well, <laughs> at first, when my dad left, she had to go to work for the first time in her life. And she went to Merle Norman Cosmetics in the mall. And she, one of the things that she uh, ended up experiencing was there was some men that came in that were um, wanting to be women. And she just befriended them. So she kind of had this, you know, tangent clientele, but she made, she did really well because there was nobody serving that. They, they were rebuffed a lot out. So she was rebel through she, and through. She would take that. <laughs> yeah. And then eventually what happened was as she was working in the, you know, makeup, a lot of women would come in to try to cover up their domestic violence, uh, oh, black wow. eyes or things to go to work. So that enraged her and she ended up starting a nonprofit to assist uh, and go to court with uh, hearing and deaf battered women. But she first she went into the shelters to like do makeovers. And then she was like, this isn't right. And, and then I actually helped her a lot with that. I worked closely with her, you know, trying to write grants and things like that. But no, she was just like a trailblazing, you know, badass, basically. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, I mean, like effectively you know you said she's makeup but she was in cosmetic sales and it sounds like she was good at it <laughs> she was and so what did she do she found this niche right that you know we talk about a lot it's like oh here's an underserved you know place where they can feel comfortable and she and she made those men feel welcomed um, absolutely and heard validated and... welcomed beautiful and that's when i first even learned about that like She's like, yeah, I'm trying to learn how to, you know, minimize the facial. You know, she would come in like strategize with us. It's like, let's try this makeup on stuff to help to help out. So she was way out of the box. That's so cool. Well, it's good. I mean, it sounds like, yeah, she was able to chart her own path in a lot of ways. Do you feel like you didn't mention it, but do you feel like her working in cosmetics and being so creative? Did that influence your also kind of creative output? Oh, yeah. Yeah. To see just. To see what she did, you know, she, my dad left with three kids. She had never had a job. Like, you know, she, she was my hero in so many ways. Like, yes, just, you can do it. Don't, you know, just be yourself and, and anything is possible. That was the messaging. Wow. And so do you have older siblings or younger siblings? I do. I have an older sister who has her PhD in spiritual women's studies. And then I have a younger brother who was a musician and is now working in lighting and the entertainment industry. Um, so yeah, I'm the middle kid. I'm the, I'm the moderator. <laughs> yeah. Are you a big, uh, do you a big believer in sort of that middle child theory and all that? I was, I was committed to that for a long time, Harry. And now I've wow. like figured out my lane and it's very, very narrow. <laughs> a, a lot of things too. are not my business. 
There's okay. almost anything is not my business to mediate or handle. So I'm like very narrow right now. Okay. I love it. I love it. Um, well, awesome. Well, so have you always been an artist yourself or have you worked jobs? Do you have other sources of income? You know, what have you done with your years? So I, I kind of feel like I've always been an artist, but I didn't claim being an artist. I, I did. I worked in restaurants and I was a cocktail waitress. And really? that kind of thing. But when I I was at UCLA as a um, French major and I I was being exposed to art, I, I, I was like kind of like, oh, my God, I think that's what I I was very interested in it. But I was in a bookstore. I was in the UCLA bookstore and I was in the art section and I saw Klimt for the first time. Oh, uh, yeah. Gustav Klimt. And and it's cool because he's Austrian, Austrian Hungarian, and so was I. So that's my heritage. And when I like looked at it, I was like, I don't know. It changed me. It was like, look at his patterns. Look at like all that, all of that. Just like went. That's this is what I. This is I'm gonna do this. I I like I I wasn't happy with front. I was like, this is what I was gonna do. So I ended up at that time. Um, were you in college then or is this after yes, college? Yes, I was at UCLA out of high school. And um, I said, you know what, I'm going to do this. But at UCLA, they were like, oh, the art art is impacted and you can't change your major. And for some reason. What do you I mean impacted? Like, like you couldn't change your major. It was packed. Like there was oh, waiting was lists packed. and they had like they couldn't accept any more people in the art department as a major or whatever. And wow. I don't really remember the details too much, Harry, but I was like, well, I'm out of here. And so I went and I got a job as a framer and I got a job as a as a um, in an art gallery in the mall. And then I also went to El Camino College, which was a, a community college. So I went from UCLA to a community college. So you transferred. And I just, yeah, I transferred and I just did independent. I just said, I want to learn how to draw and I want to learn how to paint. And so that's what I did. I worked. So I just wanted to be around art and understand art. And 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 so that's what I did. And when I was at the was it scary place, at all to make that transfer or did you just you just didn't think of it much? I, I, I didn't. I was like, I wasn't happy at at UCLA, I I think part of the reason I wasn't happy at UCLA is because I was having problems socially. Like I was like very introverted and I wasn't connecting. And so that was part of why I left. Now, now you know, later on when I analyzed Looking it, back. Yeah, looking back. And I could just glom onto this like thing I wanted to do. Um, but it was hard to be in the, in the, um, in the art gallery in the mall. Was UCLA big, big then? Was it like just easy to get lost in the crowd kind of yeah yeah and the other issue with at ucla for me was i had to drive in and i wasn't on campus so i had to drive back like i lived kind of close but a little too far so i couldn't really get you involved at home? in the culture yeah and i had a parking problem i had to park off campus and then ride you know bring my bike ride my bike in and it was just like a very like i don't know it just didn't have the the experience was like, oh, yes, this is wonderful. And so when I figured I could do this, I kind of went back to comfort zone and went to El Camino, easy peasy, and uh, learned a ton through drawing. Like to me, drawing is is a skill anybody can learn. Um, uh -huh. But 
I, I just think it's one of the most beautiful forms of art. That's just my personal opinion, you know, because to do a beautiful drawing um, and do it like, it doesn't have to be realistic. Like Egon uh, Schiele is like one of my favorite artists also who does these beautiful drawings that are like so emotional and so simple though, you know, like art doesn't have to be a lot, a lot, although my art's a lot, but um, yeah. And yeah, is it so, drawing something that... Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of artists, if they work in other mediums, they might sketch and kind of prototype in yes, first. yes, yes, yes. It's a it's a really good skill to have. Um, you can, um, uh, oh my god, my dog, go on. Now. Sorry, Harry, <laughs> she was going to scratch. Okay. Um, what's your dog's name? Lou. 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 Yeah, it's actually my daughter. She's here, and she brought her dog. Oh, that's good. Um, yeah, I love having my daughter here. Um, she's just visiting, but she's leaving. Um, but yeah, drawing is just an, an amazing skill. It can be a foundational skill. And then once you know drawing, then you can kind of riff and, you know, uh, play with, you know, how how you, you know, you can break the rules. But it's like I an instrument. Like really need it's to... like, you know, if you learn chords for the guitar, now you can like jam with yes. or experiment. Exactly. That's exactly what it's like. Yeah. And then that because that drawings a foundation of my work, even though I, you know, I collage over my drawings. Um, one of the things I want to experiment with now is like because when I do the drawing, I'm like, oh, my God, you know, it's beautiful. Like, we're going to touch it. Um, you want to have this compulsion to, to do that. You want to what? I have this compulsion to you know fill it all in you know because i cut paper and then i you know i fill it in like paint by numbers and so it's like i, I want to attention start... like part of you wants to keep it the way it is and part wants to do the mm -hmm. collage mm -hmm. okay so everyone's saying scan the drawing you know and then use it again which is a really good idea um but i want to practice now with kind of like leaving some of the drawing exposed yeah and yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of going into that, to that a little bit, especially when I do a portrait. I think it'd be really beautiful to see like part of the drawing coming through and part of the paper still, you know, there. So, I'll do you have ever to connect work. with um, Alexandra Saunders? Do you remember her name? Alexandra, I don't know who that is. She was one of the early artists I worked with. I she may not be in the school group. She might be in the Facebook group, but she does these incredible like um hyper-realistic uh, drawings of animals, wildlife, okay. uh, orangutans, elephants, things like that. And yeah, she does this drawing that's incredible and then kind of colors it in. I don't know. I don't know what her medium is, but um, she showed me some or kind of half done and she's shown some to people and people almost were like, no, no, no. Yeah, I want it like half done. There's something about, you know, mm -hmm. like, the face of the orangutan coming out of the page and it's kind of like, half finished that people find very striking and attractive so um yeah it kind up. of takes you beyond like one of the things my girl my friend uh, my art buddy gwen samuels and i it's like hyper realistic you know and this is just my opinion it takes mad skills and i would never diss those mad skills however i think for me what i could just go look at a beautiful flower then I, I want to see some interpretation, some something of the artist in there, 
And that has really helped me when I've been working with, you know, clients and collectors and things. It's like, I realize I'm like, oh, my skill is important here. Like my, my vision, my, what I'm interpreting, otherwise you wouldn't be coming to me. You can go to anybody, you know, so you're looking for, for my vet lens on something. Um, and we've kind of like claimed that authority, like, oh, we're the experts. Just like, if you call a, you know, repair person over, it's like, oh, you're the expert. It's like, yeah, I'm the (laughs) expert. And so that's helped me a lot in establishing that authority when I am working with my collectors. Yes. I love that. I love that. And it reminds me of, um, you know, people have theorized in the art world when as technology has changed, you know, the rise of the the camera, it kind of shifted and disrupted the art world. We still have realistic representational art that people make and it's great, but that's kind of when you have that explosion of modern art and more abstract art. It's because it's like, all right, now what can artists do that can't be done by technology? And there's always space Mm -hmm. for that. You just have to like kind of chart a course to that space if that makes sense yeah you just have to keep being yourself as an artist and you know finding your you know what what is my unique point of view and how i'm going to execute that and just you know keep diving deep because it is it is an unfolding you know it is a you know i went from painting you know drawing painting and then working with paper which was a was a process and I even look back at my early work, which I also highly recommend is dating all your work and looking at early work, which I did consider at that time, you know, sketches or studies. Uh-huh. But when I look back, I'm like, dang, like, hey, I had, I'm, they, they held up, you know, they held up and they were things that I had abandoned to try to get more realistic. And now that I want to return back to because it was such an experimental time and, uh, you know, the way that I was putting things together and the patterns that I was using, it was, it was, it was fresh. It was fresh. Sure. And so I could find myself kind of, you know, you know, you go, oh, I want to refine, refine, refine. And then you've lost something raw, something kind of like, whoa, that was, where I'd be like, oh, that doesn't work. But you know what? It, it's can you give fun. a more it's concrete really... example? Like, what do you what do you mean by this? So, like, I started I was, once I figured out that I could know how to make something go back and like draw. Like, oh, I draw an apple. It looks like an apple. It's got you know space and depth and form and all that. Okay, I now I can paint an apple. But could I collage an apple? Can I? How is that going to work? You know, what does that mean? Do I paint the bay? Like, what is that all about? And so when I started, I was using, you know, I had limited papers, right? I just, I would like look in the magazines. I would look like I, the first thing I had was a poster and it had somebody's like arm or whatever. I'm like, oh, that could be the apple, you know, like, cause it already had the like, so I'm like cutting out things. So that's kind of the, that sort of shiny, like, almost like yeah, the skin, but it's, it's some right. actual skin. Right. So it's like, okay, what if I cut that? And, you know, how would I? So I see things and I see other things within things that could be things. I don't know if that makes sense. So, so I was looking at it and I didn't see, you know, a purse or an arm. I saw, oh, that could be something else. And so at first, that's like crazy. Like I was doing rocks and, you know, you know, uh, all different kinds of weird, you know, from a car part or whatever were these things that were cobbled together. 
And, you know, and that was great. And then I was like, oh, let me continue to refine that. Let me, oh, now I'll paint the papers. Now I'll make it more and more and more realistic. And then it kind of lost this surprise, this what the hell is that? You know, so so I think there's a balance, right? So now I I looked back and I'm like, I want to bring some of that more uh, unusual, unexpected things into it. So it can have, you know, a new iteration, you know, a new freshness. Because after a while, when you just do the same thing over and over again, it's, I'm bored. Like, I'm sure. <laughs> sure. I, 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 you know, I don't, I didn't know much about your art practice until now, just, you know, <laughs> perhaps counterintuitively. But hearing you talk about it, I feel like uh, there's so much opportunity for you to put a lot of like symbolism or meaning in your work by what you choose to what materials you choose to pick out can you speak to that oh yeah i do that all the time like sometimes if I, i'm i'm doing that now on a project so um i will hide text like let's say i have i've done a book i'll paint it but maybe it's you know some script or something like that and a, a lot of my work uh my work is really you know my personal evolution of my consciousness just put it on paper literally and so I'm always hiding things like that. So in my work, I like, if you spend some time with my work, you will see, you will see, oh, what is that behind there? Even though I've maybe obscured it with paint, but it's like a, like a, you know, Tibetan warrior and, but you don't see it right away. You know, like you have the first read and then if you're with it, you see another level and then you see another level because uh, to me, that's what's going on. Like we we perceive things at one level, but there's there's a lot of depth in in life and in our experience. And so I um, I that's my message. It's like go deep. You know, way more is happening here. Um, everything is constantly ever, changing. Have you ever incorporated uh, snippets of? art from artists that have inspired you in the past or anything like that in your work? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do that all the time. And I found that I, if, if I, I, um, I can change it enough so it's not like this copyright problem, you know? Right. So you, you, yeah, you're taking a pattern from something. Um, I, I have done that so many times. And then I will transform it. That's the main thing. It's like take something, but then you've got to transform it and make it your own. So you're not just like, oh, you know, straight over that that that's not interesting um it's a it's like an homage to them i did a, a portrait yeah. of um clint had this woman is the lady in the hat and okay. um yeah and that's I, not and the I, one that's gold with the big dress and all the that's not gold. that one it's a it's she's like pale white and she has this massive hat and she's got this and she has a a lace thing on her hand and sure, she was like sure could i do lace you know i figured out how to do lace with paper and yeah so i i was an homage it was an homage right but uh totally you know tweaked sure so but even just taking some of the patterns uh papers or uh, of an artist that i love like i'll print i'll print it out and then i'll cut it up so it transforms it again like that fractal idea I think it, yeah, I think it's cool. And, and you could probably like, if, if you were, let's just take the apple as an example again, if there's been other artists in past who 
dealt with that theme or that topic. And even if they've done it in different ways, like looking for inspiration from them and incorporating stuff, it could be an interesting way to get ideas. And like you say, you know, homages and, um, put your art in conversation with kind of a, a lineage of work that's been done in the past, which is kind of cool. Yeah. I love that idea. Um, and I like the idea of it's kind of like an iteration process, right? Um, one of the, one of the most important lessons I had when, when I was in El Camino college, we, I was doing, um, watercolor and the teacher said, okay, we're going to work on one watercolor the whole time. And I mean, you can do different iterations of it, but yeah, at the end, you're going to present one thing from all your studies blah, 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 and that's the final. Okay. So I'm like on it and doing the watercolor and like the best and you know, everyone was so proud and it took so long and everyone was like freaking out. So we present, we present our watercolors and he's like, okay. He goes, now, uh, now tear it up. <laughs> like, what? What do you mean tear it up? He goes, did you do it? Of course. I didn't want, oh, it took courage. It was like, what are you talking about? Like, this is so, it's like, nothing's precious you know what you can do this again you can do it better next time so tear it up like don't be married to this and that was a huge lesson because a lot of times what i do now is i like covet papers like i see a pattern mm -hmm. like, oh, i was like i don't want to use this and, and then and then you, a couple you times you'll I'm think like of something better down, for it or like, something like that what's that you, you want to hold on to it because you feel like there'll be a better work of art to use it for or something Yes, because I love it so much and I just don't want to mess up. Okay. Like if I do paint yeah. it or cut it up and then it's gone. And, You're not happy. You know, yeah. And, and it's happened, Harry. It has happened. And I've been like, you know what? Another, uh, it, it served me so. It's like something just as beautiful will come back to you and, you know, just use it for the joy of using it. And so yeah. I've really maybe it, maybe that like, mistake is what it was supposed to be for, right? Like exactly, you got some insider value from that, and you can move on. That's that's exactly right. It's exactly right. Uh, so hoarding, hoarding, and coveting is like as soon as I'm in that mode, even in other areas of my life, I'm I I got that message. It's like that is clogging the drain. Don't hoard. Don't hold. Don't cling. Just let it. Let stuff come. So that's. And that's helped so much in our art, in my art practice, because it's like, oh, yes, this, oh, yeah, you step away and you can come back and it's, and you're bringing new things to it all the time. That's why art's so cool. Did you, um, I think there's a, there was a, one of the earlier podcasts I did, I talked about killing your darlings. Do you remember that? Yes, you <laughs> do. Exactly. Well, that was exactly the same thing, right? And I don't think it's just artists who struggle with that, but it's, it's such a good lesson and I'm glad you brought it up because, um, yeah, on the, on the, the side before you've done it, you feel like it's, it's gotta be worth it. Like what's, it's gonna mean, I don't have that thing anymore. But then once you do it, you're like, yeah, it's just not that big of a deal. And your ego and your personality gets less and less, uh, attached to your output. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why so many artists and creatives in general, we, we just struggle because, um, you are so attached. you you personally identify so much with your work that then your speed, your velocity, which you can 
create and move through ideas and iterate and test things out becomes so slow that you're just not going to make any like um, you're not making fast enough progress. Does that make sense? It totally does, because that so working with you and learning like these processes it's like, oh, I get, yeah, I could totally see myself. And I did have this issue like, oh, I'm It's the stuck. same thing. You get invested yeah. in a conversation or in a one lead and you like exactly. put all your eggs in that basket. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that was huge too. I think it was uh, Cheery or you was like, just treat everyone the same. You know, it just like gets you moving. It has, you have yes. to have just forward motion. And um at the very beginning, when you're talking to people, it's almost like a mechanical process. It's not like you're cold. It's just you don't really, you don't get personally invested. You don't let yourself spin this yarn in your head about what are they like? What it will be like to work with them? And we, we build these castles in the clouds and then mm -hmm. it just slows you down um, before yeah. you actually know who they are. <laughs> it's kind of like love and like dating. Like you, you get infatuated <laughs> with somebody, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's totally... That is totally what it's like. So that that idea is like goes across all the platforms, right? It like goes through all the things in your life. Clinging is is yeah. is death. Clinging is death. It it's state it's stagnant. Yeah, and it's like it's funny if you aren't that experienced in business, you think it's like this unique secret thing. But at the end of the day, it's just no. It's just about like learning about human nature and psychology and where your hangups are and like where you self sabotage and. But it's like, and then you start to see those patterns. You're like, oh yeah, it's the same psychology in creating art and in <laughs> dating yeah. and in business. And <laughs> it's so funny. Well, yeah, that that's what I've learned too. Is like, you know, going through the course with you, it's it's like revealing my stuff. Yes, it, it's revealing like, oh, I'm so uncomfortable. I am so uncomfortable with this, like. You know, I'm fine. Like, oh, here's my art. Look over here. But then connecting with people, which is like my biggest problem. And that, but I'm definitely at the place now where I'm in, um, you know, getting way, way more comfortable just having, even if it doesn't go anywhere, just I've right. taken it to like that, that little next level. And just, and I think you were telling me that it's like, that's a win just to have gotten to that. It doesn't mean like, oh, I didn't take it to here or here. It's like, it's just working it right where you are and moving a little bit forward and keeping it's, it's, up with that. Yep. And what it makes me think of, uh, you can push back if you disagree, but I remember when I was first learning this stuff, you know, I, I think the media portrays business people as often like shrewd and hard-nosed and evil and cold and i think those people exist don't get me wrong but as i had more success and i work with more business people and interact with business mentors and things like that it's like they again and again would just be extremely emotionally intelligent aware of themselves their strengths their weaknesses where they needed to like you know and uh not, again not everyone's like that and it's not like business people are better than other people but it's it's that if you want to have more success, you have to face kind of those issues you have in yourself and work through them in order to like unlock that, um, if that makes sense. It, it, Perry, it's, it totally, totally makes sense. And it's that, and the, it's, it's everything we do is a little mirror to ourselves, which is what I'm saying is like this course, you know, yes, I can, you know, evolve my consciousness through my work. 
But the stuff that, you know, working the business stuff is the stuff I've been avoiding. Like, no, I do yeah. not want to open that box. I do not want to. Because you have to look inward. You have to look well, at like, well, why don't in- I want to, why don't I want to talk to people or why that's right. can't I, and, you know? <laughs> well, that's the big question. Okay. So, so when I looked at that question, it was like, why am I so like resistant to, you know, just even reaching out? And it's like, and it's crazy because one of the things I learned was about myself. It was like, ooh, I don't really want to be seen. I don't really mm. want to be seen. It's like, you look at my art. You know, don't don't look at me, you know. Yes. And that discomfort uh, was, was I, I mean, I had to like, could just kind of be with that and like, okay, just don't even move, like, just be with and that. And it sounds like you're saying it's like that, that was there, but you, it was... You took it for granted that you didn't even notice it until you had to face it. That's right. Is that what you're saying? Yes, yes. You're like, just ask for the call. Just, I'm like, no, I can't. I just <laughs> literally can't. It's like, well, you just text something. It's like, all you do is text. It's like, and then they get on the call. And then, then the, you know, it's like just this, this panic. It's like, it was yep. panic. Yep. Like, I don't know what to say. I don't, I, you know, I had to be like, you know, song and dance girl. And now I'm just, since I've just been doing it without um, that. So the way I've been handling it is all I've been doing is reaching out. I've had a little back and forth. And if it fizzles, I'm not beating myself up. But I see that I'm getting way, way more comfortable asking like a little bit more you know, just a little bit more here or getting yeah. a little bit more savvy. And then that's, so that's just good enough for me right now. And it's yep. going to, it's, it's going to have its own momentum. Um, that I love that word because that's what the, for, the clinging does. It stops that energy moving and it doesn't yep. have to be fast and it doesn't have to be, you know, you know, skyrockety it just has to be consistent it, for me. Yeah, no, it's so interesting. It's, um, uh, it makes me think of like yesterday I was out for a walk where I live and I kind of went through this area that's kind of cordon off. They're doing some construction. They don't really want you walking through, but it's more, they don't want you to drive through so you can walk through anyway. So I saw like two people going through and I just, you know, if it was seven or eight years ago, I probably would have just ignored them, you know, not engaged, but I was just wanting to be friendly. Right. I was, I've, my, my kind of default has changed to be more like open to new connections rather than yeah um resisting it and then i just had this awesome 15 minute chat with them where like one was a veteran and in a wheelchair and the other one was this phd who's doing like ketamine studies with veterans at the va and it was Mm -hmm. like this really cool conversation and i may never see them again but it's like you get that times a million times over you know a decade or a lifetime it just can change um what opportunities you have that come to you I love that because you're connecting with people. And And I had no agenda. It wasn't like I was trying to sell them anything. I just genuinely was like, Mm -hmm. they seem nice. And I just chatted them up. (laughs) Yeah, I have found too. So I've had a couple of good experiences with some people on Instagram. And, um, you know, it's like, God, people are awesome. You know, uh, people are beautiful. And, um, it it just feels good to be able to like like I would never you know it you had that connection and so really it is a lot about you know connecting 
Yeah. Uh, and it and like you said, it can and be letting great. go of control because yeah, when you talk to somebody be, else, it doesn't mean we're you know going to connect, going to have lunch or anything like that. And right. that was a very big thing because I used to think, well, that means now I have to you know show you know it's like <laughs> uh, you know their issues no. or their problems become your problems, yeah, but it's like not it thing, you know. But that was back in the day when I thought I had to solve everyone's problems. So it was like, a okay, well, I As guess a moderator. I better bring my toolbox with me because I have a lot of fixing to do. It's like, no. <laughs> is, that, is that from being the middle child and the moderator, you think? Well, I was like putting out a fire here and trying to navigate, you know, mediate everybody. And, and, then, and then here's the other layer, Harry. It's like then when you can do that, everyone's like, wow, you're so wonderful. And you're like, oh, They my bring God, more problems to you. <laughs> yeah then everyone's coming to you and you're like god go away and so yeah but you probably at the time for a while identified in that way and so you kind of put out energy to attract that sort of dynamic yeah of course um, i loved people's with problems because i had all the answers and then hmm. telling everybody what to do and it's <laughs> and then when they wouldn't do it say hey i thought i told you how to handle this problem and i see that it is not handled and so welcome to coaching (laughs) (laughs) harry one of the things that i love about you it's like now when i get any communication from you it's like i read it twice i read it like three times because it'd be like uh i already said that i'm like oh you know because you just like glance like and I, and I, it's a good skill, like very like, and also the other thing that I love too, is like, try to clarify a question. It's like, oh no, no, I have to like drill down to what is my actual problem. And then it's like, oh, I don't have to ask anybody about that. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's a, um, oh. you know, there's a difference between venting and problem solving, right? And I think it's not, not maybe venting's not the right word, but like, I think the, the before a question's been fully formed, it comes out just more like emotional, like, yes, you know, Mm -hmm. and people a lot of times do that. And it's like, well, do you want me to like come up with a question for you or, and I don't do it to be rude. It's just like, it's just so essential. Like the the meta skill of life is like learning how to learn and learning how to self-diagnose and self have enough self-awareness to identify like what is my problem like what is my issue mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know because then once you can learn that it's like instead of having to wait to have a call with me it's like you can just move through more tests faster and faster yes. and see what works um yeah but yeah I, I was curious i wanted to kind of go back yeah you know, we, we got off on el camino and the art and drawing but um you said you had some jobs so you were like working in a gallery you said yeah, I worked at the Martin Lawrence that. Gallery, and um, it was what was so hard about it was the art was so bad, in my opinion. Oh no! And so it was like we were forced to like not forced. They were there, you know. That's not the right word, but so what were the positives from it? What were some things you learned? The positives from it was that I felt like I kind of was sophisticated in my understanding of art. Number one. Number two, um, they made you take the piece into this dark room and then you had to talk about the work. And so that was really good skill to try to like find. And it wasn't your work. It was someone else's work, right? Yeah, no, it was, it was like, 
they had Yamamoto and they had Susan Rios and they had like an abstract artist, like a flowery artist. And then they had like an, you know, they had all these different things. But one time they ha they have one guy's name's Yamamoto. And it was kind of like, it was just a craze, okay? He was just hit some vein and he was a craze. It wasn't that the work was so fantastic. It was just, it was a craze. And so we carried his work and it was just like, you know, lithographs of like a town or whatever. It wasn't anything special. And so, but because it became a craze, like he couldn't keep doing the same thing over and over again. So what, they, what he ended up doing was he started to, they make them 3D. So okay. like now the light post is front and, and all of this stuff. So I, I, I almost got fired because it came in in this like box, okay, you know, to, because it was now 3D, it wasn't flat. But Harry, the way that they like, you know, propped up these elements, these paper elements, was basically like, I don't know if you know what, uh, what like hot glue gun is, but it's like yeah. this. Yeah. So you just, so what they did was they just globbed it, globbed it, globbed it, globbed it so that it created a support. And, and from the, it was like you could see. So it, the it was art, like, the art came kind of not fully formed and then you had to. No, kind of, it came like your... that. And it okay. was, it came, this is the new 3D Yamamoto. Now some, some things are forward, some things are mid, some things are back. And in order to prop these things up, they used But you, you weren't this... a fan of the glue work. The glue work was shoddy. It was horrible. It, you could see from the side. It was like... And it was a ton of money. Like, you're talking 20 grand. And I was like, I go, I can't sell this. I was like all misinterpreted. And they're like, what are you talking? I go... Look at what this is. This is absurd. This is this is absurd. You know, this isn't quality at all. And yeah, so I yeah. I cultivated an idea of well, quality is is important uh, to me. But yeah, they they didn't sell well. So I think they got the did message. Did you make any sales? AKA, yeah, they did not. Did you sell make any well. sales? Yeah, I made a couple. I made my my most satisfying sale was. Because um, they gave you these cards of people who, so that had signed up. So when you're new, they go, here's a bunch of stale cards. Call these people. And I'm like. They were leads. They were, yeah, from a <laughs> oh, really stale one. Anyways, Do you know, I, um, have you, um, have you heard of the play Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross? Do you know that play? Oh, yeah. Movie? <laughs> yes. I saw that movie, right? With Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin, the whole thing is they have these cards with leads and they all want them desperately. <laughs> yeah, well, they could have had these. These were like turds. And, but I did call this one person and I just worked with that person and I talked with them. And it was the first interaction that was really high quality where they were telling me what they liked. And I said, well, let me look around and I don't see anything here, but I think there's an artist that you would love. But I were expecting some new work in. And then when that new work came in, I called them and said, I think you should come see this piece. We set an appointment. They came in. I put it in the dark room. You know, I did the whole, like, from beginning to end, it was like. You the followed perfect. the sales process to the T. Yeah. It was like, yeah. oh, we love it. And let's, and then they bought it. And it was like so satisfying. And then I had the other end of the experience where. The guy's like, I dragged him. I forced him into the room. I didn't ask him anything. You, you know, locked like, the door. And this is like really, really. He goes, you know what? I really love it. 
Okay, this is how green I was. I really love it, but I forgot my wallet. <laughs> yeah, and so and then I gotta what go get it from my wife, but we'll be right back. So I walk out and I'm like, oh yeah, he's he's coming back with this wallet. And they're like, oh Karen, oh dear, <laughs> oh dear, <laughs> not coming back. He didn't come back. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, yeah, like a lot of times people will say stuff like that because they aren't comfortable just saying no directly. They 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 just don't have the whatever the comfort to do that. Um, I have had calls that where people are like, "Let me go get my wallet," and they do go get their wallet. It's like in another room. Well, that's in their house great. Yeah, like you've done a better qualifying job. I was like, you know, dragging this guy in. And no, just... no, it's not a qualifying thing. But I just want you to, if you actually have that happen to you on a call, like don't don't project don't that one guy onto okay. it and assume. Like what I always say is I say, hey, no worries. Like I'm not in a rush. Just take your time. And like if they're going to go get it, they'll go get it. But if they're not going to go get it, then you it's awkward. But then you just sit in the awkwardness and like let them be like, well, what's going on? Like, what's up? And then they tell you actually whatever is on their mind, why they don't want to move forward. So just as an aside, a little tip. OK, there. <laughs> OK, good. To know. Yeah, you got to like just endure the awkwardness. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's actually I was going to say something about that earlier, like. You know, I feel like um, there. I just did a personality test. You know, like the big five traits personality. Have you ever mm -hmm. done that? Uh uh. Um, it's like ocean is the acronym. So it's openness, conscientiousness, agreeableness. Um, uh, I can't remember the others, but anyway, like there's one that's agreeableness. Just kind of like, do how how is important is you? How important is it to you for everyone to be getting along and everything to be kind of copacetic and mm -hmm. and like i i scored very low on the agreeableness <laughs> doesn't like mean that you I'm... personally like you being agreeable or you liking the agreeable i would say yeah it's like it doesn't mean that i am not i can't it doesn't mean that i can't get along with other people or i'm not nice it means that like i am comfortable if they're if we're sitting in conflict or discomfort oh. like i don't have to try to paper over it and like uh cave to like their their frame or like you know, uh, try to like break the tension, if that if that makes sense. And I don't, I don't think I was always like that, but it does make sense now. I feel like if you do more and more sales stuff, you just get you get more resilient and more reps of of that. And um, I think that there's a lot of folks, you know, sometimes especially women, they can be more like just that nurturing energy of like wanting everybody to get along and be on the same page, and then like that can be like. Uh, hard to, you know, you have to, to be aware of it and, and try to work through it and practice around that. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I totally understand what you're saying because you have to be able to be quiet, right? And not try to fix it. And that's, uh, yeah, that's a huge skill because the discomfort then, you know, you can't tolerate your own discomfort. But if you can just breathe and just allow the thing, again, kind of like a 40 thing in a way, like hold, hold the energy or just like, you know, let let yeah. it be. I think yep. that's a huge skill. And um, because then they can't handle and then it kind of resolves itself. Right. Yes. That you let them release like you, you're already released. So you have nothing to release right. at that point. You're, mm -hmm. you're comfortable, but mm -hmm. they're holding tension. And you let them choose how they're going to release and, and break right. that tension rather than trying right. to kind of like jump down their throat or like, or like, you know, break it yourself. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and 
the sale that you had at the gallery where everything went smoothly, it's like that can happen. And it, and it's the best thing. You just feel like you're in flow mm-hmm. and everything's smooth and you're, and it's just, you're like, oh my God, they just said yes. And it just mm-hmm. went through and it's just feels like the, the best thing. But a lot of times, you know, it may be 50% like that and you mm-hmm. have to be able to like, there'll be like a little awkwardness. And if you can just work around that, then it gets back into that flow zone. But it's so cool that you at a young age, like had those experiences. So you could kind of know what that felt like, um, you know? Yeah, it was big because it was, big, <laughs> it was a big sale, but then, yeah. And I had the others, the others were, it was like, you know, that I wasn't able to do what you were saying, Sharon, because I didn't have that skill. Right. And, uh, yeah. that, that skill, I feel like, I feel like business skills are universal skills. They're, yeah. you know, they're couched in sometimes in the business. Um, but uh, it's pretty, to be successful, I think there has to be these core, you have to know who you are. You have to be able to connect with people. Sure. Yep. In a, in a way that is, is open and uh, authentic. Because that's the, that's the big scary thing is this salesy, manipulative, shyster vibe that I've associated with sales. But seeing how am I going to, you know. It's manipulative when you don't actually feel that way and you don't feel like you're caring about them and, and you help them. And I think a lot of us when we're starting in sales, we don't we don't care about them. We don't feel that way. So then it feels manipulative. But then if you can work on yourself and your inner state and become the type of person that is generous and open and wants to build relationships and uh, create space in your head to care about the other person, now all of a sudden, like those sales skills feel very authentic and very aligned and you don't feel like you're breaking integrity um, when you're using them, if that makes sense. Yes. And one of the things too that I think I was, I'm still struggling with a little bit that um, I was going to talk to some of the other artists in the group is I realized too, Harry, was how am I helping them? Like, I didn't feel like I I was like, how am I art helping anybody? Like, I felt like it's a luxury item, you know, it's like, it's not helping anybody. So that's kind of the other layer that I'm dealing with now that as I'm doing the chatting is. You know, I know I can say the word, oh, my work is about transformation. I help people. But then I'm like, right. do I? Like, right. so I'm trying to find that place where I really feel like them working with me would be helpful. And I think that, talk about that's it for a kind of where I'm at, too. What's that? You want to talk about it for a sec? Can I, can yeah. I brainstorm some? Yeah, that would be awesome. All right. So. I think I, I don't know if I use this in this version of the training or it was in a past version, but I know at some point I talked about like, let's talk about so, like a, like a product that people buy that's more utilitarian, like, like a car, for example, you know, you, okay. you buy it to get from point A to point B. Yeah. But if everyone bought a car just to, to get from point A to point B, why would there be so many brands and why would they appeal to different types of buyers? Right. I mean, right. like you can see a car on the street, like, let's say like a, a Subaru hatchback. And you probably have a stereotype in your head about like who's driving that or like a seven series BMW or like a, a Tesla or whatever it is. Um, and so where does that come from? It's what comes from is that basically these brands create narratives. They, they speak to basically certain types of personalities out there and they say this car is for this type of tribe, this type of person. And if it was 
if people were only buying the car for its utilitarian value, then they could only charge, you know, a tiny percentage above what it costs to make the car because it would be a, a, a purchase based on utility. But because they create this narrative on top of it, um, and they uh, basically like address some sort of desire or need for identification in the mind of their customers, those more luxury brands can charge much higher margins on what they're doing mm -hmm. uh, for those audiences. What do you think about that? See, I totally understand what you're saying there. And then I look at my work and I, I, I can't, I can't correlate it. Um, I would say, oh, well, people, you know, people would buy, they just buy art because they like it. So here, okay, here's how you connect the dots. So I would say, um, you have to think about what are positive, enriching, aspirational stories that you tell yourself about your own life, about who you are as an artist and look at those and think, which of those stories can I help tell for my collectors and help foster for them? And that's kind of where the topic, the idea of like picking an art topic mm -hmm. comes from, right? Mm -hmm. And so they're not really just buying your art. They're buying like all of it. They're buying that they know, like, and trust you as a person, that they admire you, that they admire like your kind of philosophy and what you stand for. And that by like buying your art, they're kind of like stepping into that narrative and those values or that sort of identity more and more. Mm -hmm. um, there's an incredible book by an advertiser named Eugene Schwartz called Breakthrough Advertising. Mm -hmm. And he talks about how there's different levels of awareness in a market. So obviously the most easiest people to sell to are people that are uh, problem aware and solution aware and aware that you as a potential option exists and they think that the price is right for what you're doing, right? When, when people who are new to business and they're looking for leads, they want leads, that's what they have in their head. They're hoping that someone's going to like come on a silver platter and like already be like so educated on all those dimensions that they want to buy. On the flip side, like the most, most unaware person, uh, the way that you have to reach them with your, like, uh, let me step back. So if, if you have somebody who's super aware, um, what would be an example? Like, like a lot of consumer brands that you and I probably purchase, like, uh, like Crest toothpaste, right? Everybody knows what Crest toothpaste is at this point in time. So the way that they advertise is they just send little coupons in the mail or they, they give you a little discount. It's like, that's all you need to like kick a percentage of people over the fence to buy mm -hmm. that product because there's so much education. If you have a new brand or a new product and it's more of a, like a, a yeah, just, it's new and people aren't that aware about it. Um, the most impactful style of marketing you can do is, is basically identify like, um, pinpointing or articulating an identity of the person that you're trying to go after. The more you can basically like speak to that identity and show that you understand them and you build rapport with them, then the more they're going to kind of uh, want to learn more about your brand and kind of come down the funnel. And that's like uh, like luxury watch brands, you know, when they, or um, like the Mandarin Hotel, they'll put out ads where it's just, you know, a beautiful person in the lobby of the hotel or like a beautiful person with the watch on. And it's just like, hey, do you want to 
like have these live a beautiful luxurious right. life and it's like then this this is like um if you identify with that aspirational image then then a percentage of people will move toward that product and and want to work with them invest in it um so i know it's it's a bit abstract but um i think it comes down to like yeah, getting comfortable building a personal brand and having sort of like a a philosophy like a that you uh are comfortable sharing with people educating them about and that, that philosophy informs your artwork and the more people buy into your philosophy and they identify with like you and kind of your personal brand then just more people will want to invest in your work and they will feel massively helped by you but it's they won't be just helped by the art they're helped by the overall experience right. of being in relationship with you yeah i feel like that's why the reels have been a really good exercise to it's not that we're not talking about uh, that i wasn't really starting talking about my work but that i was talking about you know these different things of transformation and yep. um I've gotten a lot of feedback from people that, you know, now was I skillful enough to like move it to the next level? That's okay. I haven't been, but, but to have them come in through that vein yes. was very good. That's a, that's a breakthrough, right? Like now it's it like, okay, we're, we're breaking the ice around the topic of transformation rather than breaking the ice around, Hey, what? number pencil do you use or right, where'd you get right. that canvas <laughs> mm -hmm. which is i think yeah. what a lot of artists struggle with it's like other artists who are kind of like uh, voyeuristically like just want to learn from you how to make art um, i know so. that's been the big the big thing but also when you said too that like the bringing the art in now like a little bit with um with you know using that transformation you know because i am transforming things hold on sorry going on um, bringing it in through the, um, because that is actually now it's like, it really is part of what is happening. So that's been, I've been able to feel like I'm a little more connected now to all oh, the reels or, or, or sharing, sharing and talking about that. Now the kind of like, that's been a little bit, I see it integrating where, where I felt it was very like an, a completely different lane, but through, you know, you know, talking to you and going through the courses, it's like, oh, well, it, it is kind of two things. It's like your work, but it's also more what the work is about and yep. not so much I am cutting up paper. Yep. Yeah, exactly. It's like what what lens or angle do you approach what you're doing? And if you're so close to it, yeah, you're just focusing on I'm cutting up paper, but it's not the only way to do it. That'd be like if, yeah, if, yeah, BMW made ads that were just uh hey we're putting this pipe connected to this pipe and you know and we when put you say it like that harry is so it, obvious it's so obvious yeah when you think about it's it so like, no company advertises like that um I, I, actually some if you're trying to advertise to people that are super resistant to ads like developers sometimes the best way to advertise to them is like to show the innards about like here's how our software works or here's how we built this thing but that's uh, not as common. The the average, the, typically you don't do that um, as much. Well, I would have to say, though, that art is a little bit of an, an interesting category because there a lot of artists do get that question. So I know it is a, a bit 
you know, people are intrigued, like, well, you know, a little bit about the process. So I can see doing that a little bit, but not like, you know, your whole foot forward, your whole, like, it's just about this is how I'm doing things because then that becomes very dry and you're not connecting again, back to connecting with people because they can't understand. They're like, I won't cut up paper. Like, I don't understand what that's about. But when I'm saying like, oh my God, you know, this is, this is going to be, I'm transforming this drawing. The other level that I use that I like a lot is um, because my work is made up of a bunch of shapes. Yeah. Um, I cut up, you know, and some, sh- some of the pieces that I cut are like primary pieces and they're very important and they're big and they're front forward and everything. But if I don't, you know, these, even these little insignificant pieces that I'm putting together, um, if they weren't there, it, the whole thing would fall apart. So, 100%. so this other level of idea of, you know, all these pieces working together, uh, creating a whole is kind of still in my, my vein of, you know, higher consciousness and we're all working together in each, each piece is individual. So there's a lot of things yeah. that I can use in my process to connect with these bigger ideas which I think is, is helpful for me. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. So I, I take back most of that for the most part. It's, um, it's just, it's a, it's, a, it's a fine line because I think that when people do it, like show their process at first, it, it can fall into like sort of navel gazing. But um, I, or a how-to. I, uh, yeah, and, but I like saw, for example, I saw recently this awesome ad from, I think it was Dior or some, luxury fashion line and the images were fast moving and showing them making these tweed um women's suits and while they're showing you the the process they have a couple people that are kind of cutting in and they're and they're talking about why tweed and the history of tweed and maybe they're talking about some of the people that are wearing in and when it's going to be shown and um it was just this cool kind of like juxtaposition of the process, but it's, um, they don't overdo it. They don't, it's not self-indulgent. They're showing you enough to like wet your appetite and, and tease you. Um, I think Apple is another company that does it really well, right? A lot of their, um, advertising is, is process focused, product focused, but they don't get too, too in the weeds. And, mm-hmm. and again, they, they do that because, they're in a market, like if you're selling computers, at this point, everybody knows what computers are. They know what smartphones are. Um, and so they're aware that, that the category exists, but they're not educated on like, why is yours different than the other person's? And so <laughs> if everyone knows about the category, but they don't know why it's different, that's why in, in the technology, a lot of times you see so much emphasis on talking about feature benefits, like 10 megapixel camera and longer battery life because it's like that's all they can do is like talk about like basically bigger faster better feature specs and i think a lot of artists step into like like their kind of content is like that um Mm -hmm. when the person's like uh i don't even know what you're about like i I haven't connected with you as a person or as a brand yet so why should i care about your product and like the the specs of the product um does that make sense yeah, it totally makes sense. I, I had a uh, woman come into my booth at the other art fair. I was looking at one of my portraits and, you know, I immediately, you know, when it's, it's paper, it's paper, it's paper, you know, like, 
Mm-hmm. She's like, I don't care what it is. Look at it. Like she was in, just involved with the beauty, you know, just the imagery. The aesthetic experience. Yeah. And I was immediately like, you know, so I really learned, like, step back, like, ask, you know, well, you know, what do you like about, like, instead of trying to toot my horn, like, no, it's not pain. Everyone thinks it's pain. Oh, I'm so interesting and unique. Mimi, I, yes. I, it's paper. You know, like, what do you like about it? And it was such a moment. Like, I was like, oh, Harry wait, would just, yeah, you know. <laughs> let's let's unpack this more. So, wait, start at the beginning. Tell me what happened. So, I was at the Saatchi Art Fair and I had my portraits up. I actually did a portrait of myself at 50. And one of the ideas I'm kind of thinking about as another iteration is like, you know, doing portraits of women who are older because, you know, we face this big, huge beauty problem, like, you know, as soon as you're old, you're useless. And if you do any th- work on your face, oh, my God, why did you? It's like we cannot win, Harry. OK, so so uh, I was like, I want to do portraits of women in their crone, beautiful, older years. Right. So I put the one up of me uh, at 50 and um, I'm 60 now at uh, 59. And she was just enthralled. And, you know, and I started Pair, you know, it's paper, you know, and like, and she would just, you know, just was kept staring at it. And uh, I said, finally, I realized and she turned to me and she said, I don't care what it is. <laughs> like, and I was so taken aback because everyone, when I tell people it's paper, I get the swoon, right? Oh, and so that was all about me. You're looking for that reaction. Right? I, wanted, yeah. I needed a goodie, right? It was all about <laughs> me and my skill. And, and it's like, yeah. no, she was like enthralled with the image and, and what that meant. And so then, then finally, thank God I got on board. I'm like, well, you know. And you as a, a younger artist, if you had heard that, that might have just been like a total dagger to the heart. Oh, you know? totally. And you would have been like, oh just emotionally God. wrecked by that. <laughs> yeah, but I was like, I switched gears because, you know, I was working with you. I was like, oh, my God, why did I even say that? You know, I've got to come. I, I, I just was, I just went into default. But then, you know, we cultivated something. So, yeah, I've been in touch with her. Which is, and, and here's the other thing, too, about that. With that connection was authentic. You know, you know I, I followed up with her after and we're still in communication. And she's like, you know, I'm not ready. And but it's been really great. And I know yeah. fully that at some point we're going to do it's gonna that. It's going to come around. Yeah. It's it's almost like it sounds like she she saw the work and she entered almost like a trance or a reverie or a, a spiritual was. experience. And it's mm-hmm. like she's in the moment and you're like, oh, well, you want to know like how I made it? Yeah. That's like snapping her out of the moment. And it's totally like, weird. and if you had just instead been like, oh, let me almost be like your, you know, like your uh, spirit guide or like, you know, your, your uh, shaman and like guide you through this trip and ask her questions and draw her out and like fan the flames of whatever yeah. she was experiencing. It's like that, that is like, if there's one insight I can have for everybody who's listening, it's like, yeah, like let people tell you what they see in your work and what they yes. like about it and don't stomp on their story. And it, it, even if you have a certain thing in mind for you, it doesn't mean that what you have in mind is not valid or true. It's just, just, uh, just w- wait on that until they, yes. they, if they ask about it, like let them ask about it, let them bring it up. Don't try to push the conversation in that way. That's kind of a, a it's, gremlin, it's so as, as true. I say. Yeah. And I, and then after that, I did really well. I was like, you know, thank God that happened in the beginning. Right. And, and, 
I had a really successful show. So it was, it was very much that way. Well, what do you see? What do you love? And then, and then after I did have that conversation, they're like, well, but, but it doesn't look like a painting, you know? And then I can say, yes. come in with my big, you know, woohoo, yes. paper, you know? And then they get even more excited because, you know, then it's different, right? But if I come out of the gate, it's, they're like, I don't care about that. <laughs> yes. If, you know, and, and just to tie it all together, it's like, if they came to some sort of Saatchi fair, right, they're probably, that's a signal that they're problem aware. Like they're open to the idea of art, right? Mm -hmm. And then when you, when they come and, and a work of yours just hits them, then they, it means something to them and their personality. It's like, that's almost that second phase of they need to be sold on why that piece is a solution to them. Mm -hmm. So they need to be like solution aware. And then if they get sold on that idea, it's like these are a series of sales. Then it's like another objection or resistance will come up and they're like, well, it's not a painting, right? And now all that interest you have about, yeah, talking about your, your process. And it's even though like I'm talking about with Apple and Apple being everyone's like aware of the category and that's at like the scale of, of a whole market, you can distill that same principle down to one-on-one -on -one interactions with people. Mm -hmm. And you can literally see their awareness and their education change in front of you mm -hmm. and become a better lead for you. As long as you don't jump the gun and like race ahead and get too much uh, ahead of yourself. That's, you know? that's the skill right there. Yeah. You know, that's the skill to see those little points right as you're in in real-time conversation and like you know leading the conversation and and that just takes just practice and being in front of people um because i could see clearly the benefit of that portrait is feeling beautiful and valid at, at your age you know to be acknowledged for being you know, just who you are at that age. So that is so clear to me, that that one. I think the other one, the botanical ones, the the transformation ones are a little more elusive for me to understand, like, although, oh, Harry, you know, I, I have to tell you one one thing that was clear about the butterflies. I, I had a, I was in a show in Santa Monica with the butterflies that I'm doing. And this yep. woman and, and her husband came up and go, oh my God, my daughter is going through so much you know, uh, we have to get her a butterfly. And so that kind of helped a little bit. Okay, so people do this iconic symbol of the butterfly is... I love is that. Good, uh, yeah, and I followed up with them and said... How know, old was hey, their I daughter? What? How old was it? She was like yeah. in her 30s. And 30s. She was going through something. And then when I followed up after the show i said hey i'm just you know thank you so much i'm just hoping that your daughter loved the piece and that everything is well and then then they started to you know share a little bit more and um so they might be doing another commission for something else so it was like that was very clear cut though that was like butterfly transformation that was like super i, I it's so interesting hearing you say that because what comes to mind for me from that is, yeah, like they're both for men and women, but we we go through different phases of life where you feel almost like an ugly duckling or maybe like just awkward in your body or awkward in your stage of life. And you you know that like some transformation needs to come. 
And so if, if those people have loved ones in their life, like these parents are to this daughter, that could be like a really thoughtful gift of giving them a butterfly. Yes. It's like, hey, you're about to have like a butterfly moment. Like you're going to get yes. through this and you're going to start a new chapter and it's going to be great. Mm -hmm. um, have you ever thought about that? Yes, that's kind of what they kind of helped me with because I, uh, you know, I kind of was just like, I, again, like this was all so new. We had just started working with you. I'm doing the butterfly. I kind of like, I wasn't sure how this worked. Yeah. You know, I knew how I saw it, but to see then people like go, oh, you know, and then I did mention to them, you know, what we could do at commission, you know, after I had a little more, you know, skill. And, um, so that was like a very good experience because it was just like what we kind of like fulfilled all the things that I had been learning with you, that it's not about butterfly. It's about this, this other experience that that would bring yeah. value to the, the daughter and, and her life and, you know, help. For some reason, that phrase like butterfly moment is just sticking out to me. Like, yes, that is a help. Yes. Helping you celebrate, celebrate your butterfly moment. Mm -hmm. And if you and if you just educate people a lot on like what is a butterfly moment, when do you have one, you talk about them, that is like a really cool, you know, angle on this whole butterfly transformation thing that you've been working on. Um, and I think that you could Yeah, I don't know, like there's just it just seems like something that could a trend that could come on. It's like, oh, I'm just I'm I'm having my butterfly moment now. Like hashtag butterfly moment. <laughs> oh my god, I think we just came up with something. I'm writing it down. <laughs> I totally think that. And I think that could appeal to, I mean, appeal to everybody, but definitely like women, I think could, could mm -hmm. definitely resonate with that. And you think about like a lot of women, you know, if they're a late bloomer, like they go through a transformation or whatever it might be, um, it really parallels well with like butterflies that go from like this larva to this beautiful thing, right? Um, so anyway, food for thought. <laughs> Harry, I love it because now I can put a little, I think that's a really good like little kind of saying or whatever, because guess what people start to think about like a butterfly moment, right? Like that, yes. that sale for me was a butterfly moment, yes. right? It was like, yes. oh, I could I celebrate that about myself. And you know if what you I'm can get them I... bought into the idea of like butterfly moments are important and they're having them and they're just maybe not taking, they're taking them for granted. If you get them bought into that idea. Then the, the next thing they're going to think is like, well, how do I celebrate a butterfly moment? Yes. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. So we're kind of like the commemorative ideas like, oh, we'll celebrate our pet, you know, but you know what? Let's let's commemorate a butterfly moment. Yes. Yes. I yes, Harry. See, it's always so valuable to talk to you. <laughs> I love the conversation. <laughs> that would be really cool. And I think mm -hmm. that you could create. You could do a whole interview series like I'm doing now where you talk to people about butterfly moments, right? <laughs> yes, I, because I, I'm already now thinking about the uh, reels that I could do yep. around this and maybe share, you know, share a butterfly moment. Harry. <laughs> I, you can noodle on it. Maybe there's a way to improve it even further, but, but. I like moment better than phase or butterfly. Oh no, for Tran sure. It's a moment. Transformation's too long, but it's like moments like I'm I'm there and moment. I'm out of it. It's yeah. quick. I'm gonna get through this. You know, whether yes. you're um through it yet or you're about to get through it. And um yeah, it could be a whole thing, like a whole thing around just uh yeah, encouragement, empowerment, like 
self-improvement. I don't know. I think it, I think it could be a thing. Harry, let me ask you. Okay. Have you, what is your butterfly moment? Butterfly moment. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, I think you have them, you have multiple ones. Um, I think that people go through seasons. Like I think every five to seven years for a lot of people, they kind of like mm -hmm. come up for air and they're like, what am I doing? Am I on the right path? Do I like what I'm doing? Um, last week I had, I had a vacation. I don't know. You, you noticed that. And yeah. Um, yeah, I was feeling a bit burnt out before that. I was like, I just got to get some time off. <laughs> and thankfully I have, um, some family friends, actually my godfather, uh, a few weeks before I'd run into him at a coffee shop and he was like, we have this cabin in North Georgia. If you ever want to stay, just let me know. And so I texted him and took him up on his, his offer. And so I was uh, up in the, the woods for a week, just kind of totally alone. No one else was there. And um, I went on hikes every day and it was really quiet and peaceful. And I did uh, personality tests and I did just reflection on like kind of where the business is at and what I'm doing. And I think a big breakthrough for me was, um, I, you know, I, I, I like a lot of different things. I'm good at a lot of different things. Um, uh, like technical things, setting up websites, um, uh, building the course content, things like that. Um, but what I really like to do, you know, what, what I feel is a unique strength that, that I, I, I think is easy, but other, and I take for granted and other people maybe find hard is like this sort of relationship building, this communication stuff that I do. And so it just, I had already been thinking about doing the podcast and doing an interview series, but it just really cemented that in my mind that I should like go deeper in that and really explore that and just at least give it three months and see um, how it goes and if I like it and um, that uh, you get in, you can get into these mindsets where like a, like a good coaching program, or if you're learning like a, like a marketing skill, they'll want you to focus on that one thing and you can kind of get tunnel vision and think like, this is the only way to do things. And um, I just needed to, like some space to give myself permission to say, yeah, I can, I can do ads and I can do these technical funnels but it's not the only way to do it. And if I feel like I have an innate disposition to creating organic content and talking to people and telling their stories and shining a light on them, um, I should lean into that and explore that rather than continue to punt on it because there's like other things that I feel like are more, mm. I don't know, like the traditionally felt like business to me, right? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. it, it, yeah. Uh, so, so this is I, more of like the like an emotional connection aspect uh, of your, it's, it's the same, but it's like another facet. It seems like to the same core, but you're, you're exploring it in, in this more involved, I don't want to say soft, but more flowy and, con and connecting with other people. And before, you know, you could see be just like the, the coach and, you know, you're disseminating the technical stuff. But now we kind of see a little bit of you too, which is really nice. Yeah. And vice versa. Like uh, you can, um, you know, last year or two coming out of the pandemic, um, I, I set up this webinar that was bringing in new clients and that was going well. And then I was working on like refreshing all the course content. And so that was a huge project. Um huge and i really wanted to do well i wanted to do 
better than I'd ever done before, really kind of dot my eyes and cross my T's and um, not leave anything to chance. Like the, there's, I don't know if you've seen, but I mean, some of the tutorials we have about how to do stuff in technology, like set up your Stripe account or set up yes. PayPal or it is so detailed, it right? It is. And I get tons of positive, like I get good positive feedback on that, which is great, but it just took, it took a lot of being alone, kind of in like a monk mode. Um, and I think that I, I can be so sort of like gritty and determined that almost like masochistic, like if, if it's not like hard or not a struggle, like I don't feel like it's the right thing I should be doing. And so Ooh. this, that was kind of like an insight, like, okay, it doesn't have to be so hard and I'm going to try this content stuff for a while and try to, um, yeah, just lean into that. And then if I go back to some of the older initiatives and ways of doing things, I think I'm going to try to delegate more or just not be so tight fisted about some of those, those responsibilities that I have, which I've had in the past. Um, <laughs> does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I like it a lot. I think so that's uh, my most I, recent one, but I've had tons of butterfly moments. <laughs> I think as an entrepreneur, you go through them like perhaps you just you have to go through them. It's like that's the that's what we were talking about earlier. It's like you have to look inward and like kind of peel back those different shells and 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 work things out to kind of like. And I always yeah. say it's it's not like you're putting on a fake persona. No, it's like you're you're basically uncovering richer, deeper, fuller aspects of your personality, things that you didn't even know that you could tap into that were latent there, you know? Yeah. I, I, when I was contemplating, uh, butterfly, I, I think I told you my, my sister and I are working on a butterfly card deck. And so we had to go into what's going on with the caterpillar, what's going on with the pupa, what's going on with the butterfly. And for the butterfly, our, you know, she's like, what do you think it is? What is, what is the butterfly moment really? And I, and for me, it was like, well, here you are, you know, once you were, you know, bound to the ground and all of a sudden you're a completely different creature with wings that you've never used before, where you can fly and get a higher perspective and that, but you don't do it from a fear place. There's something gone. There's some excited explorer vibe it, mm -hmm. from my point of view it's not like it is joyful but it's also so new so there's this new adventure that you can now enjoy from this higher perspective but also with this level of confidence and skill that yeah. make it that bring that joy of your new self so those yeah. are the kinds of conversations that we're having and um and I really, and I really like that because the caterpillar, the caterpillar's on mission. The caterpillar must eat. The caterpillar is, you know, must survive. It had, its strategies are camouflage, defense, get to this, get to the, oh, to wow. the, the next thing. And so sometimes when you're in that place, <laughs> you know, you're, you're almost not unconscious, but there's some things driving you. You're in drive mode, right? And then you go into the pupa and you're, Something happens that you don't know what is happening. There's no, you're not control of anything. So there's a right. certain surrender that occurs there that is 
you know, even though it's dark and tumultuous in a way, because you're being disassembled, something has to be disassembled because you are literally not this thing. You're moving from this thing to a whole new thing. And so in that womb tomb, really, it's a womb tomb, um, which is birth and death, is all the alchemy is happening. And you're surrendering to something that you you don't have to do anything. It's just going to happen because that's the time that you're ready and it's happening. So we've been able to dissect these these processes and I find them pretty freaking miraculous. And that that's what my work is about. That's yeah. what I like to talk about. So so for me, this butterfly see? moment is awesome. I mean, yeah, like, do you see like you have like the, the seed of like a philosophy here? <laughs> yeah. A, a unique worldview with unique. Like you just said, womb tomb. Like that's such a powerful it's so image powerful. and concept. And you might just assume, well, yeah, of course it's a womb tomb. And you like take it for granted. But like other people won't know that. And that will be like a valuable insight. So I, I just encourage you to, yeah, really uh, flesh this out uh, more and like talk more about it um, and help people through it. Because I think it's, it, it, there's, there's so many things that... Um, we can use different language and different mental models. Like you can use the whole, the, the metaphor of, of metamorphosis and the mm-hmm. cocoon and all this stuff. And, but it's, it's just because it's using that kind of playful metaphorical language. It just, it's still speaking to something deeply true. You know, you can mm-hmm. tell it's, there's a truth and that's what people are attracted to, you know, timeless fundamental truths that maybe are not just so apparent or that's just easy to lose sight of and mm-hmm. putting it in like kind of, creative language like that can make it seem fresh and help them engage with it better. So oh, that's thank awesome. Thank you for that, Harry. I really appreciate hearing that. Sometimes you feel like, oh, oh I shouldn't talk about that. Uh, but I I think too, what I'm learning is the more I can be myself, um, you know, being an artist is about, you know, showing up as yourself and um not trying to conform or is is where there's a there's an interest it can become interesting where you're not the same voice yeah uh, over you know it's funny we've had conversations in the past and i know you've said that before like being yourself and Mm -hmm. you know i i'm still trying to in my own mind incorporate that with what i've seen of like uh i i just feel like um there's so much uh potential in all of us where we can change and grow. And if I had listened to like, be yourself eight years ago, 10 years ago, it's like this, well, what if the self I was, wasn't that great? Or like there were parts of myself that need to be improved. And so, you know, I don't know, there's, I think there's a tension there. I think there's a way to reconcile them both. Um, but, um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Like, do you feel like there's ever a risk of like, I like rationalizing, that, staying in your comfort zone by saying just, oh, I'm, I'm being myself. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. So the way I see it is that those those comfort things, being myself, uh, is not about uh, staying the same. Okay, so being myself is, it's more of a, an uncovering and a releasing. And yeah. that there's a core we're all individual. We're all unique. We all have a, a perspective that nobody else shares. But that stuff is covered up with a lot of trauma patterns, et cetera, that kind of masquerades as ourself to stay safe. 
And so as I see it, as we move to that level of discomfort, right, the false self is I I can't do that. I'm afraid. I don't want to be seen. Right. Right. That's that's now if you stay there, that's the false self, in my opinion. The real self, my real self is is complete, has an, an interesting point of view, is is confident, is whole and complete. And so that's the journey that I see as going in is always learning to uncover that. So it's not like I would look at myself at 16 and go, well, this is myself. I'm never, I don't ever want to shift and change out of that. I think that that's, that's the process of confronting these, these right up against the discomfort and go, okay, who, who, who is showing up to deal with this discomfort? Right. The old self is going to hide and don't want to do it. The, uh, the, the, my true self is like, we have this, just do it. So those are the way that I see it. It's more of an uncovering, you know, and to me, okay, so nature has all the answers. Like everything you see, bark coming off a tree, a spider shedding, everything is shedding so that yeah. this is, can continue to reveal, continue to reveal. Because that stuff is old. It doesn't serve us anymore. That's when we forward it. It's like, I want to be comfy, cozy. And then and then it gets crusty and disgusting. And then it doesn't serve you anymore. Mm, yeah. But you know what? Yeah. Does, she, and here's the beauty of it, too, for me. Like, let's say I'm confronting something that's very scary to me. There is a layer there that is helping me, that is protecting me and keeping me safe because I, I, don't, I can't, don't have the wherewithal to overcome the situation. However, if that stays there, it rots and it mm-hmm. becomes really stinky. And if you continue to or if I continue to rely on that to keep me safe, that's when things, I think, in my life go, go south because I'm, I'm holding on to something that no longer serves me. So how do I know when something's serving me? Well, I have to continually be in inner investigation. <laughs> sure. So, and, and what helps is, oh, I'm up against, I have to chat with people on Instagram and I'm paralyzed. Like, okay, <laughs> ding, 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 <laughs> wake up. You know, something isn't serving me anymore that I used to rely on. And so that's the, that's the constant shedding of, and that, who knows how long that takes? That could be an infinite process. But <laughs> Might be just life. That's what life is. That's, it's, that's uh, what life does. It's, it's going to constantly travel. You know, is this still serving you? Is it, is it something still do serve me? Some, and, it, you know, so I, I think, I I, think that we're helps talking me about too. the same thing, but maybe, no. maybe we're having a semantical situation where. No, no, I wasn't. Yeah, no, no that, that's helpful. I think. Um, in sort of Eastern religious traditions, I think in Hinduism, there's actually this idea, maybe it's Buddhism. I think it's, I think it's Buddhism, like that there isn't a self at all. And it's like our attachment to any sort of identity, like the wider we have our identity, you know, I am an artist. I am, I'm not a salesperson. I am blah, 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 blah. Those, those identity labels uh, serve to basically like box us in and like cage us in and, um, and so I don't know, for a long while, I was just under the yeah uh, operations like, yeah, basically anything that you want to do, any skill that you want to learn, you can learn it. And if your mind or body's resisting it, it's um, just that sort of like, yeah, that fixed sense of self, that fixed sense of identity holding you back. And yes. 
I still, I think that's a helpful framework to a degree, but any, I'm going to, I'm going to try out, I think, yeah, over the next three to six months of just trying to lean into like, what do I think are my strengths and just step into those and just see, yeah, see what that season feels like. Because I, I, I do see, you see some people in their careers and in their business where they're doing well, but it's, um, uh, it's not like playful and then there's other people where it's just they're just playing all day it's like a game to them and mm -hmm. it's because they've just figured out what are their strengths and they step into those and then they figure out how to delegate or get help from others for the other areas so i'll have to report back to you on that in a bit <laughs> yeah i i, I want to continue that conversation i i i totally think we're talking about the same thing i think the from my understanding what i study is that there is no self which I agree with, but there is our awareness of what is happening. And that's maybe more our true nature, not a self, a person, yeah. which has an identity and which has likes and dislikes and has a gender, et cetera, which is what we call a person. Mm. Um, so there's the layer behind that that's just aware of everything that's happened in your life. Because if you're you know, the same eyes, the same awareness you had when you were 10 looking out behind your eyeballs is the same you, but your body has completely changed. So changed. we're just like, there's an awareness that we're basically just a process. We're just, what? we're just, we're just basically a process, but I'm, something is aware of, of the process that, that yeah. is happening. And, um, and and that's what's really weird. I mean, you're not as old as I am, but Harry, it is weird as hell to get older because you're still the same. And you're right. like, what is happening? <laughs> you know, it's really bizarre. Um, I bet. I bet. Yeah, it is very bizarre. <laughs> like, like. Whenever like my uh, folks get together, like my dad and his sisters, like they just, it's like they revert to being like yeah, kids fighting with each other <laughs> yeah. it's so funny <laughs> yeah it's a it's it's a trip it is a trip yeah and I, well one other thing that i wanted to share which i think is uh, while this is on on my mind it's like uh i've also let go to a degree of like trying to figure out what is true or not true so like i don't even know if i mm -hmm. i don't know if i actually personally believe there's no such thing as a self like i think there could be a soul or whatever you want to call it um there's this other level that you go to. It's like, okay, I don't care if this idea that I'm believing or this idea that I'm holding is true or not. What I care about is whether the idea is helpful. Yeah. And if the idea is helpful to help me get out of my comfort zone or accomplish the goals that I have, then I'll adopt it. And then as soon as, like like you said, is it not serving me? Is it, if it's no longer helpful, then I try to find a new helpful belief or yeah. a more helpful belief. And Absolutely. I think that's also freeing because I think sometimes we just, we're like, well, you know, it's true that I had trauma as a kid, or it's true that I was a victim, or it's true that I was hurt, but it's not helpful to dwell on that. Well, of what's course. helpful, you know, is to be able to move past that. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to share that for everyone listening because I feel like that's you don't necessarily have to, in your heart of hearts, you know, believe something is true to still find value and apply it and adopt it and practice it for a while to see if it helps you. Yeah, yeah, but the but the core thing there is you have an awareness if it's helpful or not. Yeah. People stay in the place, let's say, a victim because they they like it there. There is a there is some sort of 
there's still helpfulness to it. Still benefiting. There's some benefit to stay in that state. So, what is the different? What is it that then becomes aware that that's helpful? Who's deciding what's what's helpful? You know, you know who's who's in the discernment place. So that it's it's constantly something like behind something else. So. I mean, I've, I know people and family members or whatever, like they can't see, they can't see past because they're getting some benefit from the state that they're in. So that is, that is really tricky because you have something else other than that state has to come, come in and, and be an awareness of it. Like, oh, this isn't, this is another slice look at it that it's not helpful unless you want to grow i think that the metaphor of the caterpillar and the cocoon and the butterfly i just think there's there's so much potential in it because i could just see you talk about this right now like you could create a whole content series about how do you how are how are there ways to like knock yourself into your cocoon like it like how do you how do you how do you jump start that process because people a lot of times yeah like they don't if they're just so go, 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 or they're, they're in their routine, they're in their rut, uh, to give themselves space or permission to like take a break and like come up for air. Um, I'm sure there's like a ton of value in giving tips or techniques about how to do that. Um, just as one example. So, um, Harry, that's, that's, I really like that. Yeah. Uh, I'm, uh, I wanted to ask you like, so we talked a little bit about, you know, El Camino and the gallery and, a lot about what's been going on today, but like what happened between then and now, like, you know, as much as you'd like to share, but um, did, were you an artist like, like all that time or did you ever take jobs and things like that? Or no, what happened was, um, I got married really young. Um, okay. I had a, I had a daughter and, um, but at that same time, and she's, I, is this the daughter that is visiting right now? Yeah. Yeah. She's 30 cool. now. And uh, during that time, I, of course, with the support of my mom, I was like, well, I still, you know, I started to develop the paper stuff and I started to, you know, you know, do some work on the side, enter shows. And it was like, this is the worst possible business plan ever. You have to pay to get into something. You have to hump the work over there. You pray that someone sees it or or buys it then you have to go back and pick it up and beg for you know that's back in the day when we had to do slides Harry you had to like take pictures of your work I mean it was so hard and so I ended up I was kind of going nuts and so I I I joined a a a woman's caucus group I met my friend and we Uh we became art buddies and I said listen I go I want to make money I go I want to make money as an artist and she's like let's do it so we kind of then I had a partner that and we were this is one of those things that I don't it's not maybe not easy to replicate because our work is very similar and we have a, a similar we just are clicked. And so we would just start seeing art and we started to understand who we were and we started to develop our cat, you know, what we what we wanted to say and do. And so she took the I want to be a museum artist and I took the I want to make cash artist. And I started, um, I can't believe what I did, Harry. I went knocking on doors. So I had this little tray that I did, a little paper mosaic tray. And it was like, 
it was kind of nothing. And I go to this place in Palos Verdes, ritzy, ritzy place. And I was unannounced. How many doors know, did you knock on? Did you I do just, this a while? Was yeah, it just was, one day or did you do this for a while? I know. I draw my kid off. And I said, Mom, I need like five hours. I want to go to all these designers. Okay. Okay. And so I walked up to this one and of course- So you went to businesses, you went to not homes. Yeah, I went to businesses, interior designers. And Terry, you're going to appreciate this. Okay, I didn't even know how this could be helpful to them. I just know it was fantastic. I just knew it was different and new and wonderful and fantastic. And I was so, so this is a a story about confidence. I love it. No, I love it. Keep going. I- Go up, I, I hit the first lady and she's the gatekeeper. And she's like, I go, can I speak to John? I can't remember his name. Yeah. And, and she's like, well, well what do you want What here? about? And I'm like, look at this tray. It is so fantastic and it's different. Yeah. And, and I didn't know, but he was standing right there. And, oh, really? And she's like, uh, you're going to have to make an appointment. And then he heard everything. He goes, come here, show me this tray. Well, I show him the tray, a tray. He goes, gives me some keys. He goes, I want you to drive up to Rolling Hills and look at these doors. Harry, okay, Rolling Hills is mucky muck big money, okay? (laughs) I go to the house. Nobody's in the house. I open the door. I look at these these five big, huge doors. He's like... He comes back, so he's on the phone with me. He goes, okay, what do you think? I go, what do you like? What do you <laughs> he's like, yeah, I want, I want something kind of, you know, this and that and da-da-da. He goes, give, give me up some designs and give me a quote. So I, like, go home and I'm like, you know, this is, I don't know what to do. <laughs> so I got some designs together. I, I thought, okay, there are five panels. I'll do two, two grand, uh, two grand, uh, um, or three grand a panel, which okay. was huge money. You know, it's like, oh my God. He's like, all right. Like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. I, I haven't done anything bigger than a little tray. Okay. A little tray. What is the tray? What is the tray? It was What's just like the a tray? Little- you know, tea tray that had like some flowers on it. And, you know, so like you had just painted a tea tray. No, it was paper mosaic. It was the paper. Oh. It was like, it was the new, the new thing. So he's okay. asking me to do five, five foot by three foot panels. The I guess that it's the home of, I mean, there was a, in, there was a tree in the house. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I go home to my husband. I'm like, I don't know. Hell, what you do? He's like, well, how much did you get? I go, he gave me a check for seven grand now. <laughs> so, like, my family just went into, like, support mode. They're like, okay, I'm going to watch the kid. You're going to do this. And we like, and so anyway, so I did, I did pe- and this is the first time I did people. I did people on this thing. I did, the, I'll show it to you. Okay, I'm going to send you the image of this thing. Yeah, this is amazing. So I did five panels of a man and a woman. And because it was a closet drawer, the, the, the thing was, as you walked in, this is where people hung their hats and coats and things like that. So I'm like, okay, yeah. the hat's going to be flying off. It's going to be windy. The guy's got on fancy shoes. You know, I did this whole thing. 
with with clothes because you know I didn't know if, if that's what I just thought would be great there. And he's like, it's fabulous. She loves it. So I do it. So he was happy with it. Well, okay. Here's the lesson in this. He said, do it. Okay. He, I didn't ask enough questions. Okay. She did. So we, so my husband and I, we go, we install these doors and the woman's face was just, you know, not like, it was just like a plain face, you know, nothing. She's like, you know, can you make the face smile? And I'm like. But this, I want to say, this is not paint. You know, this is not paint. This is paper. So, but the lesson was, okay, first of all, ask more questions. Second of all, I learned how to remove, you know, the paper from yeah. the, the thing. You know, so I got technical skill and all of that. Then I went on, you know, then he gave me like five more jobs, Harry. Like I did an elevator interior. I did... I mean, he gave me so much work. I mean, I made Karen, so that's much amazing. Work. It was it was insane. But he was a huge a-hole. And so I was I was like still not, I was trying to ask more questions, you know, because I was didn't want the thing to happen left last time. He's like, just yeah. do what I said. Like, and I got really snippy with him one time and he's like, Well, you're something. And I'm like, Well, you're not. <laughs> So it kind of ended because I didn't, I couldn't. Did, I was did he end it, or do you feel like you you just like pulled back from that energy and you're like you didn't ask for more work? Do you remember? I I thought that that I had burned that bridge. I thought that oh, I yeah. couldn't go back to him, but I still then. So then my plan was okay: interior designers, uh, art consultants. Definitely start printing. You know, I needed. I saw. Did you just like screen. what did you? What did you, did you just get into personal attacks or something or was it? It went like. Was it pretty yeah, colorful? Yeah, it got personal. It got personal. I was like, well, well, why didn't you tell me that she wanted blah, blah, blah. He's like, well, I, you know, and he blamed her. And I'm like, well, I'm asking you these questions, but you won't answer. And he goes, well, aren't you something? I go, well, you're rude. And it, and it just evolved. You know, we were just attacking each other. And, and then I was in tears and then he, he never called me again. It's interesting. I think, you know, everything, it's it's fine that it happened. I wonder, like, yeah, if you now, like, you could, like, have more resiliency. I think you probably took it more personally than he did. Oh, totally. Oh. And I you could have called him up personal. and be like, hey, like, it's all good. We change words. Like, how can we work together more productively oh, going no. forward? Oh, no. I was here. You don't was think it would have? And I'm a victim. And, you know, yeah. I could never work with them again. I no. Yeah, and then I but had it was probably like it was probably like barely on his radar, like the whole you know yeah, spat, and he you you probably everyone, yeah, or just he just um, you know he, he that even like emotionally charged words, he just might feel like he just didn't really he was not very agreeable, he didn't care like how people perceived him, and he just exactly. was more blunt or direct, and yeah, he just but but I think it's such a cool story because um. Look, like if people are listening and they say, I'm going to go to an interior designer, I'm going to do the same thing Karen did. And I go in the door. You're not guaranteed to have that same like luck and that happen right away. But you're definitely not going to have that luck if you don't do stuff like that. It was just I was I Carrie. I literally was like, oh, my God, that was the first person you walked into the first uh -huh, one. Uh huh. 
Uh-huh. And then you didn't go into the other ones at all because he sent you on that goose well, chase? Well, he sent me on that, that that right away. It was done. And then I was like, oh, this is good. I got to do this again. So I did. I called Pete. I cold called. I made appointments. I wanted to see interior designers and art consultants. And um, I connected with a great one that ha- I had a better relationship with. She gave me a lot of work. Um, so it's funny. Gave like gave me a lot of work. I wanted to say, like, it... You might be listening to this and thinking, like, it just sounds so lucky, like, so fortuitous. But the thing is, like, for people who do sort of B2B type deals, not everybody, but some of them, they are so experienced. They can just quickly, all right, this person has can communicate okay. She's excited. It's pretty decent. He probably was like, I'm just going to give her a shot. And if she does yeah. well, then I'll do more work with her. And he's not putting a lot of, like, ceremony and stress and, and making a big deal about it. It's like a small thing. Mm-hmm. And for you as the artist, you've never had a break like that. It just feels like a big deal. And so you just don't expect that people are going to relate to you in that way. Yep. But I've seen that in my own experience. Like when I used to be doing, I used to do like marketing consulting projects for tech companies and tech enabled companies. And just because someone's not being super bubbly and nice to you doesn't mean that they aren't going to give you a shot and be a mm-hmm. good business partner, um, mm-hmm. which I think is counterintuitive. They, not everyone wants to be your friend you know, in a business setting. That's a huge lesson too. I thought part of it was I had to be like, they had to be my friend, which I learned. Uh, I had so many experiences, Harry. One one was this friend I, where I thought everyone had to be my friend. And so I would put a lot of like extra time and energy and just like listen to their stories. And, you know, that's when I had to learn how to like set my business boundary and and all of that yeah that you can be like tough. friendly and kind yes but not doesn't mean that you have to like yeah listen and let them pour out all their issues yes. on you can set boundaries and still be professional and yeah and i that did way. that for a little bit with a couple of people and and then it was like i'm drained like i can't i i can't do that and I, then that's when i had my friend like so i said oh my god this happened and she's like well how can we you know so we were back and forth like sussing it out like and we had a document that says okay lesson da 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 don't do this well you know we that's had also we were documenting stuff because we were like we just needed to move forward and 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 there's no cookie there's no path for ours there's no like here's the directions you know it's like go be off and do well and and everybody's yeah. path is very different. And so that's how we we just, I was so, I would not be where I am had it not been for my friend. Um, do you know, so um, do you, have you heard of, do you know who David Ogilvy is? Do you know that no. name? Mm-mm. David Ogilvy is one of the most famous advertisers that ever existed. Okay. Uh, he, he has written a lot of, he had some books that he wrote kind of as autobiographical books. Um, he did ads for like Rolls Royce and I don't know, big, big brands that you would know grew a very successful ad agency called Ogilvy and Mather. Um, but if you read one of his books, I think it's called, I think this is an Ogilvy on advertising. It might be, it might be in another one of his, but he basically started his career going, doing, being a door-to-door salesman. And he and other people have said this too, but it's like doing door-to-door, um, if you can do it and make it and, and get it to work and you don't have to do it forever, but if you could just do it long enough to crack it, it's, he says it's like the best training for creating content and creating marketing because all that 
copywriting is, content creation is, is it's just sales, salesmanship in print is what people call it, mm -hmm. right? And so you you learn, okay, what works in, when I talk to people one-on-one, face-to-face, and then you when you start writing, you have that same conversational tone where a lot of times instead we just have very stilted, awkward language. It's not like how we'd actually speak to people in real life. And I never did door-to-door -door myself, but uh, doing the sort of like DMing with people and all that stuff and building relationships, it's kind of like an easier version of that, but I think it still approximates it. So um, it's kind of a cool kind of connection there that you yeah. had that experience doing that for a little bit. Um, tell me more. So did you, how many much more door knocking and cold calling did you do? Was it, was it continue to be well, fruitful or was it like just that one thing and then it kind of panned? It, no, it, it was fruitful. I established some really good connections that I worked with for quite a while and they would have projects. And so what, like this one had a project and then this one had a project. And, you know, I, I mean, I did so many bizarre projects. Like I had, I did this and I would always, here was the other thing. I always said yes, even though I had no idea how to do it. And so, so smart. So smart. <laughs> this one woman, she goes, yeah, we have this uh, curved wall. Because the worst thing that can happen is you say yes, you get payment, you go home, you think about it, you try to map it out. And if you're like, you really get stuck, you say, I can't do it. And you give them the money back yeah. before you like commit any resources to it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But keep, I, sorry, keep going. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's what I do. So, so I would say, yes, I can do it on a curved wall. She goes, but we want it removable. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, you know, I go back to Gwen. I'm like, okay, what do we do? What do we do? And she's like, what if we do this? And what if we do that? So she was my partner in crime. And we're like, okay. So I told them, this is what we're going to do. We're going to put it on, we're going to mount on the curved wall, this, you know, canvas first, and then I'll do the work on the canvas. The The medium that I'm going to use is that you can release this with, with, uh, if you want to move or whatever, and you don't, you want to take this with you, you can have a professional release it. And I made sure wow. I wrote in the contract, again, clarity is queen. I am not responsible for it. For removing this and you need you know like i don't right. want to have anything to do with it um but yeah so i did things on a curved wall i've done elevator interiors i did a, a a staircase coming down i had one big thing that happened where i did uh this uh downstairs kids room on the wall i did a lot of things on the wall um i had this one client again that wanted me to go to vegas and do a do a uh, an, uh, do a bamboo vibe in in her powder room, and I really wow. didn't want to go, and so I bit it really high, and they bit, and I was like, "Holy heck!" And then when wait, I was wait. there, let's pause on that. Yeah, okay. like that. That is such another good insight. It's like instead of saying no to a client or firing oh, yeah. them, you put throw out a number. You're like, it's like five times or ten times higher than you what you do. You're like just like like you think it's comical, and then. If they say yes, you're just like, it this was. is great. <laughs> yeah, it's like if I had a fly, if I'm going to fly and I'm going to do like, what, what do I want? And, you know, and then double it as I just, and, and yeah, they just have so much money. And so I go. And, and then I it makes you think, oh, maybe your prices are too low. Like, <laughs> well, of course, it's like, yeah, exactly. And I went and the, there was a guy downstairs also working on the house that was like putting up velvet in the, in the, uh, media room or whatever. 
And so uh-huh. he comes up and he's like, oh, you know, so what did you charge for this? And I told him and his eyes bonked out like a, you know, cartoon. And okay. so after when everyone, like all the workers from the house were just like, okay, we're days are done. We're getting to our car and stuff. He goes, hey, let's all go out to, uh, to some sushi. I go, great. So we all go out and whatever. And I could tell like he was just like so annoyed with me. And so at the end, he he slides the bill over to me. He goes, well, let's let's let money bags pay. And I said, fine, I'll pay. So I pay. And then when I went to submit my my thing for expenses, yeah. the gal goes, well, I see you have a lot of alcohol here on, on this bill. I go, yeah, what do you expect us to do? She goes, all right, I'll pay it. So I didn't even pay for that dinner. <laughs> so, so great. I've had so many that, experiences. Do you feel like they were trying to trick you? They were trying to get, get you to, to... Do you think he had that in mind when he asked yeah, you to go out Yeah, I do. Him? I think he was bitter <laughs> and that he didn't charge enough for his and he was pissed and he I absolutely... And I kind of knew. I kind of knew he was he was doing that. Like, oh, let's have another... You know, he was building it up. <laughs> I, I had a feeling. That's so funny. Well, that's yeah. awesome. Well, Karen, it's been so much fun to chat with you. I'm sure we could chat more and I'm happy to let's, too, let's chat again. But like, is there anything else that you want to share or any other thoughts on your mind? No, just thank you so much for the conversation. Thank you for your insights and just look forward to continuing working with you. Cool. Well, if um, people want to learn more about you, where can they find you online? Well, they can find me on Instagram at Karen Psyche and of course my website at KarenPsyche.com. And that's S-I-K-I-E. Yes. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Karen. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Okay. Bye, everybody. Bye.